Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Three Moves Ahead. I'm your host tonight, John Bolding, and we're talking about Phantom Brigade, a simultaneous resolution mecha combat game. We've got a full panel today, complete with our friend Mike Williams, staff writer at Fanbyte. Hello, hello. How is everybody doing today? Good friend of the show, Nier, senior managing editor at Fanbyte. Hi, I'm back again. I think first time guest, uh, Rin, producer at Waypoint. Hi. And also friend of the show, Brian, co-founder at Freehold Games, who develop uh, Caves of Cud and Sprocky Wood. Hey, happy to be here. So, Nier, tell us what Phantom Brigade is. Uh, this is from Brace Yourself Games, the uh, makers of... Uh, this is the folks who made uh, uh, Crypt of the Necrodancer. Yes. Um, so it's a very, very different thing, but also in some ways kind of similar, um, just in by virtue of the fact that it is a uh, top down game where you are, uh, it, like you had said before, simultaneous resolution. And if people don't know what that means, that basically uh, states that rather than taking uh, things in turn based strategy, format you are planning your moves ahead of time similar to games like oh frozen synapse um and then those moves play out in real time in front of you in five second chunks and it is a mech strategy game in that sense um in terms of like the actual setup for the plot of the game there's not like much to the texture of it it is very broad strokes painted in this idea of there is a country i don't know what that country is called there is uh evil force entering the in, entering into that country i don't know what the evil force is called um they don't really specify at least in the uh main cutscenes of the game uh early on but your home country is uh, that looks a lot like sort of a um simon stalin hug adjacent sweden like uh northern european idyllic suburban towns is invaded by some kind of encroaching force that has tanks and mechs you are part of the Phantom Brigade, which is a small little strike force that is independent from the main military of your country's government um, that is going through and liberating provinces of this region using these mechs that have the ability to see five seconds into the future and plan your moves according to that. Uh, as that happens, you are also like seeing where the enemies are going to be moving. You see where your units are going to be moving. So you can move your units to be like, well, I know that this tank is going to be shooting at my guy at this time. So I'm going to move him behind this building. My my unit will go behind this building and that will soak up the shots because the shots are not like XCOM style um, percentage based chance of hitting. They are all modeled and simulated in real time in the game. So if you have cover between you and something else, as long as that cover does not get destroyed, which it can, you are not going to take any damage and vice versa. Or the enemies can have things that are, you know, are arcing shots and various different things like that. And you kind of go from there. You do. And uh, I think that sort of physics based sim and mech customization stuff is well, physics based, but. Uh, trajectory based, if you will, um, mm. is sort of the heart of this. Uh, I think we'll get around to some of the talking about the story, but I'd be really interested in soliciting everyone's general thoughts on what what is the combat like? Like, what does this give you? What makes you enjoy it? I think personally, on my end, I'm just kind of a big fan of um, sort of like risk management and like uh, mitigation in games generally. Um, and the idea that I like, you know, I like Darkest Dungeon for all of the same reasons, this idea of you are 
fighting up against a much more overwhelming force than than your own with very limited resources. But you can see things that they can't. You have data that they can't. So you can make more informed decisions that they can that reduce the odds of you getting you know blown to smithereens. And then one thing I think that actually Phantom Brigade is very, very good at, and I think it's probably the game's biggest strength in terms of combat, whereas I think that it has some some weaknesses, particularly in the like scenario variety. Um, you get so many different options very quickly into this game in terms of like what you can do, what your mechs can do and like how you can move around and work around the battlefield by virtue of like, oh, I'll have this like rail gun that shoots in like a homing arc that goes over terrain and over cover so it will always hit the enemy here or i'll have this um beam weapon that is very you know it generates a lot of heat but it will just chew through buildings and destroy terrain and deform terrain immediately so that i can just like get my shots in on this turret from along from long range without exposing my other units and stuff like that and like i think those are very interesting tactical like on the fly decisions damn crazy couldn't be me i'll never mitigate a risk (laughs) i'll 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 die before i mitigate a risk fool don't don't be silly i have one guy with a big axe and that motherfucker is gonna go to work Uh, i I love a guy with a big axe in this game it is a delight to watch a mech shoot forward 20 meters and just plow through a tank and knock over two other mechs with his big axe there's almost nothing more satisfying my my encapsulation of this game is um I have made it so I wrote about this a little bit in a, in a piece that I wrote for Waypoint, but um, I had a situation where one of my mechs, it was a melee mech, uh, had their legs blown off uh, in the middle of a fight. And I didn't have time to just like repair the part uh, because I was being chased by another enemy squad. And one of the things that they added in the 1.0 is the ability to just like if a part is fully destroyed, just swap something out instantly uh, while the mech is still damaged. So you can basically like ad hoc put in a more stable part if you're going into a fight and i was like looking at this mech trying to figure out what the fuck i was going to do with it because it was like every single set of legs i had was extremely slow Uh, and i had this melee mech and i was like well i don't know how to get them in with all of this equipment and then i realized that if i pushed the mech's cooling systems far enough then i would be able to dash infinitely uh, without actually <laughs> losing any, uh, without actually like worrying about overheating. And so I got to this point where I was able to effectively dash without consequence across the entire battlefield. And it made all like long range missile mechs, uh, the, which are, I think, the bane of everyone's existence in this game. Uh, they are so fucking heinous that they had to actually uh, make an update to, uh, to reduce the power of long range missiles. Um, and so. I ended up making this mech that is effectively a hard counter to any missile system and moves so fast that like I don't have to worry about them uh, taking stray shots from like a sniper, for example, because they're just going to dash through it. And like I play extremely recklessly with that mech because I know it can one shot anything else on the field. And that is like that is so fun to me Uh, for me, like the customization and the like, can I make this work is is the core of the game. Uh, as opposed to, like, in in Nier's case, risk mitigation. Yeah. Uh, Rowan sort of differentiates tactics games between uh, games where you're prepping ahead of time, or you're prep 
before the battle matters more than what you're actually doing in the battle. And Phantom Brigade is definitely that style of game. Uh, because tactically, when I'm in a battle, I I don't feel like it's like I I don't necessarily feel that the the tactical gameplay in the middle of combat is as strong. Uh, and part of that is because you can absolutely see everything the enemy is doing on the timeline. Um, because Phantom Brigade's uh, general movement and action system is planted on a timeline similar to if you were messing with Adobe Premiere or something like that, or um, where you can lay down different actions and then scrub back and forth across the timeline to see what's going to happen. And Nier brought up uh, Frozen Synapse, and I think Frozen Synapse has a little bit more uh, tactical combat because you can't tell what the enemy is doing. Uh, until so you basically have to set up all of your turn and then the enemy side is a black box and then you see what happens afterwards whereas in this you can scrub through the timeline and go oh okay that tank is going to come around this side um so i find like when i'm in the middle of combat i'm mostly just setting up really cool moments and this is where the sim part makes it feel real good like Mm -hmm. when you hide behind cover and uh like i had to do with a shotgun when if he's hiding behind cover and he takes a shot he'll just core a hole out of a building Uh and it's it's beautiful to look at like Mm -hmm. you will want to go back and like replay and like zoom in and be like wow that just looks fantastic like when you have a long range sniper or something shoot through a forest it will hit those trees and knock them down or you know if you have a a, a up close axe guy or a shield dude and they charge through a building into another guy it just looks great the game really oh sorry no and i i was just like i there there's nothing like that period like this is the the first game at least for me tactically that feels like yeah i was gonna say i think i I think what's really interesting to me is that is that it fractionates a real-time gameplay across a number of pretty chunky feeling turns which to me feels nice within those turns you have the ability to scrub back and forth and get a really prescient view and pull off these matrix likes moves and when it's working you feel completely invincible and the game often I think lends towards too easy because of how uh, able you are to manipulate the enemy AI and, and dodge perfectly around buildings. But at the same time, the game does very cannily, I think present some surface area for your plans to, to go awry. One of the most aggravating and important ones are when there are collisions and you can miss these uh-huh. very easily um, when you set up your moves. If you're not watching very carefully, you can accidentally pilot two mechs into each other. And I think they probably intentionally left this easy to miss because it has such a big impact on a turn and makes a almost un- unlosable game very losable when your two mechs, which you plan to careful move 
crash head, head head versus head and they both fall on their ass and that's the end of them right like the, the whole your turn goes awry hundreds of missiles crash into each one of them and they're just smoking rubble just because they they kind of like head bonked against each other i am and, i am oh sorry no good i was just curious as to like what um difficulty everyone like what difficulty options everyone used because like i have had a I be, if I'm if I'm guessing correctly, I think I have had a slightly different experience uh, in in some regards. So I am so I am curious. Have you cranked it up to hell mode? Oh yeah, I turned everything up. Oh yeah. Oh, see, That's I did a- not go that far. I I just turned it up one. I usually don't go straight to the hardest. I uh, I found this really enjoyable actually as a game, and one of the big reasons is you can play it on its sort of normal default difficulty and. It's got some interesting little tactical puzzles to complete, but is actually fairly relaxing as far as uh, I think probably the most relaxing, quote, simultaneous resolution strategy game I've ever played because you get to set up all these amazing moments and scrub back and watch your turn play on repeat in slow-mo over and over. I I love the repeat function where you can rewatch the previous turn and it has a bunch of things like you can watch it as a loop. You can watch it as a... Uh, go to the end of the turn and then play backwards over and over, right? Uh, And just playing with that stuff is great. But then if you crank the difficulty all the way up, it becomes a horrifying and desperate fight for survival as your mechs are outclassed by enemy mechs at every turn. Yeah, I mean, one thing, like the reason that it can get really, really hairy, even on like lower difficulties is like kind of the way they balance that out is the fact that your mechs are very fragile, even with like heavy armor. There's like basically three different categories of mech parts. We haven't even talked about like the customization. Like you can kind of get into that in a minute. Yeah. Um, You can feel different like levels of mechs and stuff like that. But like the, the heavy ones are obviously slow, but have more armor. But even those like if they take like enough good direct hits without like a shield, because the game has like shield uh, items that you can use to to block yourself and like plan out when you raise your shield versus when you shoot and peek out behind the shield and stuff like that. You will just get eaten alive by like some of the especially the missiles, but also just like. Uh, if an enemy has like a heavy machine gun or if there's just enough tanks all decide to focus fire at the same time, because it does the thing of Battletech and other games where if a single part of your mech gets damaged all the way, it blows up and you can't use that anymore. You can't move very quickly if your legs get blown off or if your arm gets blown off, you just don't have a gun anymore. And suddenly you're left with a mech that just doesn't do anything. Uh, a mech with no arms is a ramming tool. It's a ramming tool. I, I was about to say a mech, you, it, like you can you can knuckle down and get that shoulder in there. Uh, you can still trample tanks too. <laughs> yeah, that is what a mech is. Or you can just eject and then have to go uh, on the strategic map. Retrieve your pilots before they're captured by the enemy, which I find a very fascinating, like a really enjoyable part of the game. Scrambling to figure out, like, oh, uh, can we fight everyone who's between us and that escape pod, or is this guy? absolutely doomed yeah th- those are the ones that are are that at least at the difficulty levels i was playing at were the more interesting tactical decisions where like hey like save this person or uh don't destroy this building which is actually sometimes in the heat of battle like pretty hard to do because you're like tactically <laughs> like okay i need to be far away from this building 
Like, yeah, the, to make the sure don't it destroy sense. this building objectives I love because you'll be fighting over like a little cute historic town and it'll pick out, you know, two or three buildings in the town. You, you know, the locals will be really sad if you destroy this beautiful historic building. You're like, OK, I guess we can do that. And then halfway through the fight, I'll have realized that I just chewed through the building laterally with a giant laser and it's literally it's just collapsing. <laughs> yeah, I've been, yeah, they- I've been playing on uh normal difficulty. I'm only into my first playthrough about 20 hours. I am normally like a Iron Man legendary XCOM player, but I found this game really meditative. I w- I've been getting up in the morning when I like to just do something relaxing and playing a province of the game. And it's, it's basically trivial unless I'm not paying attention. Um, but it is just really lovely, even like despite some quibbles I have with the UI to to just watch the little mechs shoot each other. It's it's nice. And I also find that in these games, when you really crank up the difficulty level, you often really ratchet down the the pieces of the game, which are viable. And I just wanted to play with all the all the toys for now. Mm-hmm. And I've been enjoying that a lot. Yeah, let's talk about toys, because there's a remarkable variety of weapons in this. and mech customizing your mech i think that uh mike's assessment of rowan saying you know there are two kinds of tactics games there are ones where you prepare beforehand and then execute your prepared strategy and there are ones where you figure out as you go this one does lean more towards figure out what each of the mechs the the up to four mechs in your squad can do and then execute that strategy as best you can but there is a huge variety of build options in this uh, and a lot of them are surprisingly effective as opposed to a game like, say, if you're, you're playing XCOM, you can't have a squad of four long range characters because the maps simply aren't big enough. Whereas I think in Phantom Brigade, you definitely can get away with that. That sort of oh, thing. Yeah. So I, I'd like to hear some favorites, right? Like, give me some interesting builds you've gotten away with. Yeah, snipers are, are probably more than, I mean, like, snipers were pretty strong in XCOM and XCOM. I mean, in XCOM 2, but they feel really good in this one, um, especially because sniping usually ends up being a laser that just, like, cores through everything in its path. Um, so, like, one of my favorite things is, like, trying to figure out where is the, the most out-of-the-way part of the battlefield where you can still see a lot of it uh, and putting uh, a long-range guy up there. Uh, and and letting him go to town, even though probably a good 30% of the time I will end up hitting uh, one of my own dudes for the same reason uh, you, you were talking about uh, sometimes paths intersect. So like I'll set out a plan, and then as I'm executing, I'm like, oh, no, no, you just walked right into that. Why did you? Oh, oh that's me. I did that. So <laughs> I had a similar experience with a huge mech with a, a, a like a Vulcan cannon type thing, mm-hmm. which is a really hard weapon to use because it's as heavy as the entire mech it's a giant rotary cannon. And I really have entertained myself having it because um, it fires so many bullets that only like a third of them have to connect for the enemy mech to go to sleep, which is so great. The game has layers of damage where I think there are maybe three types of health total in the game where there's like normal hard armor health. And then there's barrier, which is sort of regenerating health that uh, is 
replenished using like a liquid fix resource that your mechs carry into combat and can fix themselves with if they're out of uh out of the line of fire for a little bit but which you are limited on overall because you're sort of mobile uh repair truck fortress thing can only carry so much of it and then the pilots themselves who have a sort of concussion level of health where if they get knocked around enough they will go unconscious and so i really love these big spraying cannons because even if it doesn't destroy the enemy mech it will simply get so battered that the person inside will get knocked out except that's not very effective when you keep having your own people run through the line of fire. So, so this is why I'm like one of my all-star players right now is just this incredibly light mech that just has an SMG, which has very short range as you can probably imagine, but it's super hard to hit. And the way that I do risk mitigation in this game, at least right now where I'm at is I have a medium mech that kind of fire stays back, fires some medium range, can dodge, can take a, a hit, but is mostly there to fire this like, sort of burst missile rocket launcher that does incendiary damage to enemies and like overheats them <laughs> so they can't attack back. Um, so that person lays down suppressing fire from like the mid range while my like little zippy hornet comes up behind enemies, shoots them in the back and enemies take bonus concussive damage if you shoot them in the flank or in the rear so this little zippy guy just like roller skates on behind them shoots them with a submachine gun and suddenly like this just huge heavy just falls over because the pilot inside has been knocked unconscious by like getting his brain rattled the whole time and it's great that's one of my favorite little tactics in the game right now they just can't do anything about it I mean, my concussion mech is is the axe mech I mentioned previously, which can uh, concuss literally anyone with a single hit. The cool thing about that mech is um, that I have it's it's a plasma axe, so it does seven thousand eight hundred heat damage, uh, and it just instantly okay. disabled. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, <laughs> uh, even if it didn't instantly knock out a pilot through concussion damage, it basically means that the mech is going to be overheating for the next like twenty seconds unless it has some pretty solid heat mitigation. That is, I think, honestly mind blowing. Yeah, that's awesome. I haven't seen a plasma mask. I, th I think it is important to say that you are you are incented by the game to concuss pilots, which is why we're all kind of fascinated with the concussion. Because right. when you when you salvage their mechs, if you've if you've if you've merely rattled the pilot into unconsciousness, the mech's in great great condition, and so you can take it apart without having blown it up. Yeah, so like I had a really really effective shotgun mech that could basically kill any enemy unit in a five second window just by unloading the shotgun, but it would always completely destroy the enemy mech. And after a while I retired it because you're supposed to, and I like this part as a sort of scrappy insurgency, the majority of your equipment is going to come from salvage, right? It's things you are stealing from enemy units you defeat. And the most effective way is hundred percent to knock out those pilots. Yeah, and so my, my squad is also sort of concussion based like everybody else. I, I have a big heavy, um, the, the, I like it because often those big heavy guns in games are just not effective and maybe at a higher difficulty, it would not be effective. But it, at a sort of normal difficulty, the the heavy cannons can just knock almost any mech or or tank out in a single round. So um, I was just going to say the thing that like makes, uh, in my experience, heavy weapons less viable 
is that on the difficulty that I'm using, I take 125% incoming damage. I believe that also applies to heat damage uh, and damage taken from overheating. And so I have not found a heavy weapon that will not instantly overheat one of my mechs. Oh, you have to, you uh, have to build you have to build your mech. You can if your mechs will, and maybe the difficulty increases the heat as well um, that you take from your own own weapons. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I th- I believe so. And also like to overheat is more punishing. Uh, I have found I have found that like the the thing that has been holding all of my mechs back has been uh, heat regulation, even with like a mech with like 45 uh, heat dissipation. I'm still overheating a lot, um, which is, again, I think I, I like actually about this game uh, a lot. Yeah, the mech I'm using on the higher difficulty I'm playing that has the big Vulcan gun has to be. I think the heat dissipation, I've pushed it all the way up into the 50s. And that is the first time I've been able to use one of the really, really big weapons on the high difficulty. But it's an incredibly fragile mech, and it does have to mostly stand still to use that big cannon. So it's uh, usually only gets to really act like twice a battle. And that's part of my strategy, right? Like it's only going to get to fire that gun a couple times. So its whole job is to move around and get in a position where it's going to be firing that it's a projectile weapon. And the, there's a real trade-off between projectile weapons and energy weapons and missiles in this game where a projectile weapon, those bullets are modeled, right? And they're they're going to fire within this sort of cone. And so firing at something that's moving left to right across your field of vision, it's going to miss a lot of shots. But if something's coming directly at you, it's going to hit a lot more shots. And so, you know, that max whole job is to get in a spot where an enemy is running directly at it and then just unload because that will take out any enemy unit, no matter how heavily armored. And then meanwhile, the rest of the team's job is to sort of fight as they would, but cover that one mech to make sure that it gets to sort of delete the most dangerous couple enemy targets over the course of the fight. Yeah. Wait, now, now I'm really curious, are, are most folks using a lot of non-kinetic weapons? Because I find myself using almost exclusively kinetic weapons. I don't uh, trust I'm, I'm the really lasers, curious. really. So I, I'm with you on that. Uh, I have a a sword heavy, uh, sword and shield heavy that runs in, and that's its job. It's the the melee, and then everybody else is some flavor of ranged weapon. Usually, it's the sword and shield heavy, um, uh, and then the ranged sniper, and then the two in the center. I switch in and out depending on what else the fight has so i do have another heavy um that does melee but usually the other two are some flavor of range as well i'm like really else range. i'm also kind of interested when you saying mike that you have heavies because like when you say heavies do you just mean like they do heavy damage or do you, are they actually using like the heavy armor in this game because i found the heavy armor parts to be kind of it's one of the criticisms i actually have of the game which is that i find the heavy armor is pretty worthless couldn't be me. Uh, yeah, when, oh. when I say uh, heavy, I mean uh, I, I treat them as mentally like I'm playing an MMO. They are the paladin character. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have the big shield and a whatever the medius melee weapon that can be held in the other hand. And they are the one that is meant to be running in between the city streets and punishing people. Uh, usually I have that character either soak up damage or 
um, find whatever the current weakest model is and just wail on them with the sword or axe or whatever I have. I, I felt the same way about heavy parts until I realized they tended to be able to slot offensive modules and it's very mm. fiddly to mess with the modules. But when I realized that a couple of heavy arms with primary weapon modules, if you leave them as default, they often will have these secondary weapon modules that do nothing, but you fit yeah. a couple spread reducing or range increasing modules on a, on a heavy or a sniper mech. And it can be quite effective, and especially in mechs that don't need the mobility that you're losing, that are often standoff mechs or screening mechs. Um, those offensive modules can be quite powerful, but the game does not help you at all in learning that system. Yeah, the right. sniper, my sniper probably has the heaviest armor because my sniper doesn't need to move. Interesting. Oh, this is wild. So, yeah, it's really interesting to me as well. I've I've been playing effectively the opposite. My sniper is the lightest mech on the field. Uh, the funny. heaviest mech is my melee mech because here's the thing you don't really have to worry about um uh run speed if you build for thrust and so like i can build like a pretty heavy mech with like a lot of heavy parts and just load it up with the best thrusters possible and then push its heat cap high enough where it can handle being run that hard and you know sprinting across an entire battlefield right if you get good enough thrusters, you can move, you know, 40, uh, I think like 44, 45 is the highest you've oh, seen thrusters get. Oh, wow. This is fascinating. So I, I was using heavy parts in a completely different way. It sounds like from Rin as well, which is that I, I had, um, a big, I, I call him big lad and he's just like the absolute heaviest armor with a bunch of the barrier armor as well. And a huge shield and, a like a plasma, rifle like a plasma burst repeater or something like that that sort of has a naturally low heat generation and then like like uh, brian was saying i slotted in a ton of offensive upgrades on this guy so he has like a ton of minus spread to the point where his weapon has basically no spread moving or still right? It's like a spread value of three or something like that, like the three degree arc he's always hitting. And so he's always moving whenever he's being fired at has the shield up and can get between enemies and my own mechs that are being attacked and then effectively never overheats because even though they have a really low heat cap, they're only firing for a second and a half, two seconds of each turn, and the rest of it, they've got their shield up taking hits for the rest of the team. Mm -hmm. And I, I will yeah, say cause... mobility tends to be very powerful in this game, both because mm -hmm. damage is so intense, even heavily armored mechs die almost immediately, and because you have a you have a, a real ability to dodge fire. And if your mech is too slow, you can't take advantage of that. You will you will just eat the damage. So so you're really incented to have high mobility on your mech so that you can react to these incoming big bursts of damage over the next turn. And the other issue with like use the Ren, your like booster method with the with the mechs too is and it's one of the reasons that I kind of find there to not be like a great niche for um heavy armor specifically is that heavy armor in addition to being slower also has a lower heat cap. So if you're boosting a lot, boosting takes generates heat. Heavy weapons generate more heat. Um, even doing melee attacks generates heat because the melee attacks are tied to thruster boosts in this game as well. So there's like really no getting around um, just like overheating the mech. But if you get enough of those randomized modules, which I guess we haven't said um, up to this point that like this is kind of a loot game at the end of the day too, where you have like 
each of the pieces that you are um, picking up off of enemy mechs are not just, you know, like, oh, I've got the, it's not like in Battletech where it's like, oh, I got an Atlas piece of salvage, which means I can build the Atlas and this Atlas right. will be exactly the same as all the other Atlases. It's instead, it's like, this is a level three medium piece of this brand and this brand is particularly good at this that or the other thing you know these guys have better energy output but a lower heat cap or these ones have better cooling but um whatever problem on top of that and if you just kind of don't get like i think this actually probably indicates why a lot of us have gone in different very different directions with our builds and stuff too is that just like you will just kind of have to build out of what you are given for a large chunk of the game until you start to unlock the ability to craft it. And then even then crafting takes a while on, you know, the mission map um, during the overworld metagame type of stuff. So you have to really kind of think at least early on about where you're going to put those resources because it's the same resources that you're going to need to spend to like increase the efficiency of your mobile base uh, to protect yourself from being hunted down by enemy like hunter killer squads and and things like that. Yeah, I think yeah, you're like right. I trample an entire town to get the axe. Ren's talking about. Yeah, there's a real factor where that first five or six probably provinces, which can be quite a few hours of the of the campaign. Oh, yeah. You are your tempo and what you use in combat probably is surprisingly dictated by which weapons you have access to. It's also a surprisingly subtle thing that I think attracts me to mech game designs because often you have to beat up someone that has this super powerful Vulcan in order to use it. And so, and and that's, that's something that a lot of games don't, don't have, right? Like you often don't have to fight some, someone that has the super sword in order to get the super sword. I find that, Mm -hmm. I find that mechanic engaging in these games. Oh, you know, yeah. This guy has a super powerful missile launcher. This is really unpleasant while I'm fighting him, but I, there's there's also oh maybe if I if I'm careful with him I can pick that up and use it. Yeah, it That's is satisfying to. I, one of my grand complaints in games is always like if I see someone else using a weapon, I want to be able to take the weapon from them when <laughs> when they're dead or what have you. Um, and so I love that I can always do that in this game, and I also like that it sort of things are very. I guess representational and direct they are what you think they might be so like if you find a an enemy base that says it's an experimental weapons proving ground or whatever right and then you sit around and you wait for like a convoy to come from it to deliver things somewhere else and you jack that convoy it's going to have a weird experimental weapon on it that you can steal and I found that to be really satisfying in a game which otherwise maybe doesn't give you all the information that you might want uh-huh. at any given time. I, I'm interested to, to hear your stories of how this game has sort of let you down. Cause the UI for all that it's quite pretty and very functional does not have the information you want. And it seems like there are a ton of otherwise completely hidden mechanics in here that you would really wish you wanted to know about. Like I learned yesterday, I think I don't know, 30 or 40 hours into playing this game that when you dash it scrambles nearby missiles yeah and they Mm -hmm. all miss you never say the game will never tell you that you can kind of infer it if you if you dash at the last second like when i I learned that by just like i bet this works and then i tried it and it worked but like the game does just not give you that information 
I have, I, have, all, I have all kinds of quibbles with the UI. The big ones for me are that it scrubs the timeline no matter where your mouse is on the screen. Why does uh-huh. it Why does it do that? Um, it would be really nice to get more information about where projectiles are. So for for the game developers yep. here, I'm giving you a list. Um, those are my two huge complaints in the in-game UI. Um, the, the projectiles thing, especially when, when like somebody shoots a missile, I'm, the timeline will tell you when they fire that missile, but you don't see where the missiles are going to be in two seconds from now so if you're you could put up a you know a shield or or dash at the last second but it's like knowing when the actual missiles are going to be hitting you versus when they're not is like basically entirely guesswork yeah it's a fine science of like i think those missiles will impact in three seconds so i'll have them put up their shield then so Mm -hmm. This is something I actually I'm 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 pretty uh far away from y'all because I actually love this aspect of the game. I, I really enjoy the like trying to figure out based on the information I have available if something is going to hit based on like the physics calculation, right? Like you can see if you like scroll over the missile that an enemy is using, you can see the velocity that those missiles move at, right? Like if they if they move at 40 meters a second, can you that really? will give you some yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Huh. Yeah. Like muzzle velocity is something that the game will tell you. Right. It's, um, oh, because you can you can look at projectile speed. Right. Exactly. If you look at projectile oh, speed, no. including with missiles, <laughs> you can be like, oh, OK, if this guy is like, you know, 150 meters away and this you know missile is moving at like 40 meters a second, I'm probably going to have about three and a half seconds before this hits me. Uh, if I'm running, you know, X distance and the missile's going to have to like move through the air and like change trajectory, then like that window is going to shift. And I think like part of the the thing that the game does that's really useful is that the shield window, the shield window you're doing is pretty like shielding takes a while. And so like you just have to be kind of right. Uh, You just have to be within like a one or two second time period. uh, And then you will block most of those missile hits. Uh, The same even goes for something like a, like a sniper rifle, right? Like a thing that you can do in this game is... If you know, if you know an enemy is going to whip around a corner and you're worried about your sniper trying to track them and you know the muzzle velocity of that bullet, you can set the sniper to shoot at a specific spot in the world at a specific time, which will then lead to them. Like if you if you get the trajectories right, the bullet passing through the the unit that's coming around the corner as opposed to trying to track them as they come around yeah and that's that stuff is really fun because i had a sniper rifle with i think a velocity of like 400 meters a second and the maps are only 300 by 300 so Mm -hmm. it passed more than the entire length of the map in a second and so i could always just be like okay it's going to be there in one second right and so i could just fire and it would always hit which was great I think that's really cool. The game should then tell you, hey, this is an option. <laughs> if, if This is an option. It's like mouse over like the, the tutorial in Phantom Brigade is very brief. It t- explains to you the very, very basics of moving and shooting. And that's about it um, in terms of like, you know, what you're going to be up against, which ends up being like a little bit overwhelming when you're on the metagame side of things. And it's like the game is going to calculate your mass versus your power output. And that's how it's going to determine how fast you are. But like, yeah, if the if the game wants me to be doing like, you know, 
um, sort of diegetic calculations uh, in that way, it should tell me that that's an option. Like, hey, mouse over here and you can look at the enemy's like projectile speed because it doesn't tell you that. Like you would have to just kind of mess around and learn that stuff. It's the sort of thing you really have to dig in for. And I I do wish that firing blind, as it were, or by I think it's holding control to fire at a spot on the map. Right. That's that's presented to you as a way to destroy buildings or cover or trees or whatever that you want to knock out when in truth it's probably most useful as a way to aim at where you know an enemy is going to be or at you know if you have a high uh rounds per minute like a a very fast firing weapon you can sort of pick an area where a bunch of enemies are going to move through and then just spray it with bullets because you know they're going to walk into it right yeah on that note actually can maybe and maybe this is a thing that is explained in the game that um you or ren or someone could could tell me but like another pet peeve of mine with the game is the the times that you're going to want to do that sort of stuff is when you're like at the end of the timeline because you can only plan things in five second chunks so if you have enough heat your your mech has like cooled off enough for you to fire their big weapon again uh and but you need to put it at the end of the field but you're pretty sure the enemy is going to be standing in this specific area so you're doing that kind of guesswork with a weapon like a vulcan where that Vulcan is just going to be spraying for like almost an entire turn. I don't think, or maybe again, it's just not shown anywhere in the tutorial or anything like that. I don't think there's a way to like do the thing that you see in the opening cutscene of this game, which is like tell the gun to do like sweeping fire, like do some kind of suppression left to right during a turn. It's just like, no, they'll do it automatically if you tell them to target a specific enemy. But as far as I know, there's no way to just like, I want, this character to shoot in an arc, you know, a 30 degree arc over this part of the turn, because like you can get into some really um, annoying kind of segments where you'll tell a mech to fire the Vulcan uh, or some other long firing weapon. The lasers are also like this at a specific enemy. That enemy will die. And then you can't just like be okay. Now turn off the gun, stop shooting, save some heat. Like you can't make those like very micro decisions. Or just tell them, well, okay, since you're firing already, after you kill that enemy, swing your gun 12 degrees to the right and hit the other guy with the like the last little bit of your burst fire. Because otherwise you're just wasting time and you're you're gaining heat for nothing. And they're just like basically stunned um, for no good reason. I have screamed uh, stop, stop. He's already dead so many times (laughs) while playing this game as like. A, a rin like a downed mech where the pilot's unconscious as my guy runs past he just mm-hmm. you know is holding out the shotgun and just emptying further rounds into the enemy mech until it explodes right and then then like salvage yeah and i'm like well thanks and, jim you know you fucking you're ruined actually it. hurting yourself right <laughs> so i i will have like entire turns where i'm just like I'm not going to tell this unit to fire because if they fight like this guy's almost dead, I should just instead have like my uh, little railgun shotgun um, unit take one more pot shot off at this guy. Because if my heavy does it, my heavy is just going to rip this thing apart and like make all the salvage more expensive. You can salvage anything, even if you destroy it, but it becomes more expensive. You have like a salvage budget at the end of every mission. Um, and intact parts are cheaper. Like they, they cost fewer salvage points at the end of the mission to pick up than destroyed parts. And you have to basically like try to line it up resident evil Four inventory Tetris esque. of just like, well, I've got one, I've got five units of salvage 
left over here if i if i turn this one down and just just get the uh credits off of this thing i uh the resources off of this thing instead of fully salvaging it i can actually salvage this other thing instead and that'll bring me to an even 65 on the budget yeah you fiddle around with that stuff a lot i don't think there is a way to do the thing in that the sort of intro cinematic or trailer from uh like seven years ago where you you rake the fire across a large segment of the battlefield which i found pretty disappointing as well yeah i i I will say that i think it is it is it is like i'm thinking about how that how that would work and like the, the the thing that we like that we have to keep in mind is that like this game does have like depending on the person pretty high cognitive load already Right. Like, and that is my only, that is my only, like, that is what I've been thinking about a lot yeah. recently with this game is like, cause like when I was like streaming it for waypoint, people were like, I have no fucking idea how to parse any of this. And like, to me, it is like immediately parsable what the order of operations is for like a given, like, you know, for setting an action, right? You click, you set the action, the timeline, you set the target, and then you adjust the actions to like specific position. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And that is like very intuitive for me. But I also understand that, like, there are a lot of people to whom that is just, like, completely unparsable and also, you know, creates a pretty high degree of cognitive load already. Um, You know, that's one of the reasons that you can only deploy for mechs. It's not an engine limitation, right? The game can handle more and more than that. It was just like, uh, you know, I read uh, the developers talking about this. This was like an intentional balancing decision in terms of like not balancing for combat difficulty, but balancing for how much information the player is expected to keep track of simultaneously. Um, and I worry that like some of the more complex motions would end up just like spiking that cognitive load through the roof. Yeah. And it would be like really good for some people and absolutely paralyzing for yeah, others. Yeah, it would absolutely sure, be yeah. a scenario where you're adding something to a game that only five percent of players will ever use when you could really just spend that time adding you know an entirely new weapon or something like that right yeah like like what you're asking for is basically a keyframing system and so people who are very good at rigging animations in blender would love the game and that would be the the people who could play it like all eight eight hundred of them i I do dozens of us from the very (laughs) beginning when i was playing i put like an attack action on the timeline and i i'm pretty well versed with like you know adobe premiere and davinci resolve i always right. wanted to like it, like near was saying it's less the aiming but more of the hey i just need you to fire for like a hot second like right. i need you to pull the trigger once and so every time i'd put down an attack i'd want to like from the very beginning i, I i'd want to maybe like grab the end of the attack and drag it shorter or yep. longer. Mm-hmm. And I don't think like, I, I really think that's something the game needs. Yeah. And that I would allow me to manually, time. I could manually do my keyframing stuff like then if I wanted to. And then anybody else who didn't want to would just have like more control over actions that you're already taking in the game. I, but I will say that I think this completely breaks the game's balance, right? Like, I think that, like, this is a game built around the idea that sometimes you are going, the weapon you are using, you have to know how to use this specific weapon, right? The fact that, like, my marksman rifle fires four shots is an important thing to consider when I am deploying it. And I think I would be less interested in the game if I could just go, 
I would like this marksman rifle that fires four shots to only fire one or two. Yeah. Right. Like to me, that is like yeah, that is the saying. thing. Yeah, I think they have successfully yeah. balanced it around that constraint as a concept in the game, which is hard. You know, it makes me a little sad at times, but I get it, right? If you pull the trigger on the shotgun, it's gonna shoot for three seconds. That's just it, right? And I like I like dealing with that and I like deciding like, oh, this weapon is great for this reason, which is that it fires really short bursts. Or that's I mean, one of the reasons I really love the sniper rifles and the marksman rifles is because they fire a couple shots and it doesn't take much time at all. Would would you trade a mod slot for the ability to tune a weapon? So like Oh yeah. Oh like that's like brain brain jacked weapon, which can be which could be fired in individual shot increments. That just set my head on fire, so I can't think I can't I think of Phantom Brigade two. Oh, oh that sounds beautiful. See you in twenty thirty three for Phantom Brigade two. <laughs> There are we- there are weapons that allow you there are weapon modules that allow you to increase the number of rounds you fire. I think it would be similarly interesting to have weapon modules that decrease the number of rounds that you fire to well, give you something closer to what Actually, you I wonder if there are weapon modules that decrease the amount of time it takes to fire a weapon because that is a stat, right? It's like the time of the action that fires this weapon will be 1 second or 2 seconds mm-hmm. or what have you. It's possible that there is there are modules that do that that we've never seen. Right, because it is it is randomized, like a lot of the loot is randomized and like even the blueprints for loot that you can craft is randomized early on. You have to like take down those like weapon facilities and stuff. Yeah, and I had never seen a main weapon one handed sword before. And I found out just the other day that they exist. I had seen a plasma axe as a main handed weapon and I had seen a like a blade as a main or offhanded short sword sort of a weapon. But I popped into a stream and someone was like just cutting off legs. Oh yeah. I loved I loved to use a sword to cut off legs. Who who uh, among us? Rule. <laughs> I I will sneak in one more uh peeve with this game. The UI for the melee is it's not bad. Good. It's broken. Like it just straight really, up doesn't work. It's just straight okay, up doesn't so work sometimes. It'll literally I played yeah. this game I think two or three years ago, while it was still in early access to just sort of check it out to be like, is this a future three moves ahead game? And at the time I found the melee really easy to use. And I mm. don't, and I remember the UI being significantly different in that you sort of clicked on an enemy and you were like, this is the person I want you to attack. And they just right. jetted forward in an arc to intercept where that person would be. And they swung their weapon at him and they've changed it now, I think to a different system. Did did anyone so, else play it in the past? Yes, they changed that because the problem that they were running into is like you would do that and like not having that sort of fine control over where your mech was going to be standing at the end of it would often mean you would do a melee attack and then just immediately bonk heads with whatever you were attacking because you would just be like you would you would land the shot and then that mech is still moving because you haven't like stopped them in their tracks or anything you haven't you're not cutting off their legs okay um and you're instead hitting their back or something like that so you would be punished horribly for for using melee in the in the current iteration, what it does is it like model, it creates like an overhead red little icon. That's a very strange shape, but what it represents, it's like a, it's like a fishing hook yeah. shape. And what it represents is the arc of the swing of the weapon. So 
at the at its earliest um at the early, like the the high end of the fishing hook uh it's very thin and small cuz your mech is like lifting up the sword and swinging it upwards and then at the far end of the fishing hook where it curves it's very broad cuz you're doing the big like horizontal sweep and you can choose to sweep left or right um on the fly it doesn't matter uh, the game doesn't punish you for that what ends up happening though a lot is that just like what Ren was saying it just seems broken where the prediction model like will tell you yep you are going to hit this thing and your guy will just miss and you'll you'll just whiff and you'll like replay it and it's like wait what like it the the timeline that is supposed to tell me exactly where things are going to be and if i'm going to hit something put a red circle on this guy which means the melee weapon is supposed to hit and then it just doesn't hit so i figured out what's happening with this uh it is what's happening is that the swing is not actually happening along the path of the arc the swing happens and then anything like immediately right the swing happens immediately and everything after that is follow through uh, Mm. of your body moving through space which is why i ended up you know figuring out that if i wanted to use melee effectively i had to use it pretty close to whatever i was going to hit right even if i have a mech with like a 40 dash range if i do a melee attack with that 40 dash range mech and go to this max range i'm not going to hit the thing 40 meters away i'm going to hit something like 10 to 15 meters away and then dash the rest of the 40. Yeah. It's like the, the attack itself, at least I figured out for my one melee mech I use, which is the attack itself happens between like the first E in melee and the third E in melee (laughs) on the timing bar. Like that's exactly when the attack (laughs) happens. So I just have to make sure the enemy is inside the arc during that period. Otherwise I'll miss. And again, like, it's so close to me to being the right amount of off, like the right amount of um, unreliable. Yeah, absolutely. It's just like, because like, I want a little bit of unreliable, uh, unreliability, right? Again, I like the parts of this game where it is pr- trying to predict, you know, bullet velocity. Um, however, right now the UI is, is doing the worst of both worlds uh, in terms of try it's just giving you wrong information right it's trying to give you perfect information and it's giving you incorrect perfect information as opposed to you know uh um correct imperfect information which i think is much more. yeah like when it's having you aim that melee it shows you where the enemy will be at the i think the end of the full melee animation time cycle which is not necessarily where you need the enemy to be while your mech is swinging the weapon Mm. exactly yeah which is harsh it makes me sad what do y'all think about we we talked a lot about the combat side of things but i'm actually like really curious about what everybody thinks about like the the missions themselves like what you're like what the means to or the end at the end of the means here of all like killing all these enemies because for the most part with the exception of those like building missions and the missions where you can if you want just stand inside of a circle for a little bit which i never do i just always clean those i just always clean house on those missions um because you win anyway um it's mostly team deathmatch Right. Like, yeah. am I unless I'm unless maybe there's like later provinces that just like unlock whole new mission types. Yeah. And I brought that up before when I was talking about there like feels like uh, like in the battle, there's not as many interesting tactical choices in that like. Other than the building missions and some of those others, like there's not a, a number of interesting objectives 
are interesting things to try that you have to sort of uh, deal with on the fly. It's you're dropped in. Usually, actually, your uh, your guys are all together and you're pretty close to the enemy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, do what you do. Uh, and a, a lot of the game is like that. And I think there could have been a little bit more uh, objective tactical variety. Yeah, and there's uh, there are a few oddities like early on in the tutorial, it teaches you that you can destroy certain kinds of buildings to get certain effects. Like, oh, here's here's a watchtower or a communications hub. If you destroy that, they won't be able to call in their reinforcements, so you'll have more time. Or here is a generator or building, and if you can destroy that, they will won't have powered turrets to defend their base with. And then I feel like I've never seen any of those things again. I think there's a mismatch between how fear fast and furious the mech on mech battle is and how even short objectives like the circles are two turns. It often takes two turns to destroy a building unless you've got a real building smasher. And that's mm-hmm. two thirds of many battles, right? Or a hundred percent of many battles. Right. And so letting an, an enemy mech go unchallenged for two turns is is really, really deadly. And so I think uh-huh. I think the I think the mission design, even though it's very sparse as it is, as is a lot of the game, um, it but even that suffers a lot from that mismatch between the the objective sizes and the the size of battle, which is very fast. So one thing that I will say that is that is that is uh, beneficial is that I believe uh the games uh like this game does have mod support and so like a a thing that is at least like stilling my heart is the fact that like people have been making um mod objectives that are like much more objective based missions uh which i think is i think is uh, exciting i just wish it had been uh in the base game uh-huh. uh, as opposed to other people having to go back in and fix it but in that same breath like i, I do think that when what it's 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 particularly disappointing to me because when you are in an objective based mission and the game is like actually putting pressure on you it's really engaging right i have uh-huh. been in missions where i have to pull out where i'm like okay cool i did like half of these objectives i got to fucking go because like three other squads are about to show up as reinforcements because I'm in territory that I should not be in right now. And if I stay, I'm going to get obliterated. Uh, and like, that is a great feeling when the game actually manages to successfully like give it to you. The the mission in the game that has most stood out to me is just like a, just a random nothing, not particularly special, not particularly important mission where I was uh, attacking this sort of alpine base in the mountains. Um, and so the enemy like facility was up on a hill surrounded by a bunch of walls with a couple of gates that would allow you through. But because there are walls and because all of the bullets in this game are simulated and f- have physics, any shots I would take normally without having a sniper hang back on another smaller hill and try to shoot over the wall would just miss outright. And there was a radio tower on the one far side of the of the base. So what I ended up having to do was like basically lay down suppressing fire with a big heavy Vulcan gun from another hill in the back. And that Vulcan was just going to be taking damage that whole time because there was just nothing I could do. If I moved that thing anywhere, it was just going to um, miss everything. So there was this like fun little emergent moment of just like this guy, like 
you you all go get the objective done. You you should get shit done. I'll stay here and, you know, I'll hold down the fort. And they're just like taking a pounding, but they're holding the enemy's attention while my little uh, razor blade mech just like zips up past one of the little gates, starts like hammering on the big heavies that are, are that are attacking this guy. And then I have two other sort of medium range mechs slipping away from all of the combat altogether to try and get towards that radio tower and take it down before they call in reinforcements. And that was like the coolest thing I've done in this game. Um, I think tactically or like strategically um, so far. And if that happened like once every five missions or something like that, I'd be happy, but it's like once every five missions, I get a mission where it's like stand in a circle and die (laughs) Um, for two ser- turns or just kill everybody on this map and you'll just get all the same rewards as if you didn't as if you had engaged with the circles anyway. And it's just like, well, I'm just going to kill all the guys. It's, it's safer and easier to just kill all of these dudes in two turns than it is to try and like have a fast moving mech get into us like a spot to claim the supplies. And then they just like take a beating because they're, you know, the fastest one that's going to get there first is also probably going to be the lightest one. The mission design feels like a lot of the game to me, which is that they were very, very, very ambitious with the scope of this game. You've got a strategic layer. It's got pilot stories. You've got pilots and mechs. And 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 this is all happening outside of the mech combat. And I think they actually did a lot of canny de-scoping to get the game shipped and said, yeah. look, we have these ideas for these objective-based missions. We're going to leave them in there, but we really only had time to balance the the four-on-four mech combat that's happening. So if you win that, you win the mission. And they shipped that, is what it feels like to me. I have no insight in that development. But ultimately, I think it works as, as, as a framework for a fun game. You know, like, But that's how I think you ended up with the result in many areas of the game, not only the objective design. Yeah. It is I, punching up above its weight, like... At every Absolutely. I mean, I, I I cannot imagine the development overhead on the physics system, right? And like mm-hmm. the physics driven combat, right? The amount of time that that alone and, and, you know, resources that that alone probably took just completely probably disrupted any other like, I mean, this game did have other plans, right? Like this is this was part of the early access roadmap. Those yeah. things did not come through because like. I don't think they could have, right? There is not a world in which a team of this size is able to produce a system like this and a game built around in inter- like systemic interactions like this that is able to like go beyond what they have and this, here. Um, and this certainly was a game that, that got drop kicked by uh the pandemic where they almost surely yeah. had to mm-hmm. have massive life upheavals and shift to different working models and things like that as they were working on this for a little bit before that happened and then this hit hit them halfway through development. Yeah, and, and for the for the few times I saw this game in person, I believe the team is like one main lead developer and then some others helping as well with but it was a lot of that lead developer. So not entirely a one person game, but pretty close in terms of uh what's out there so like some of the things that we wanted i i I can see as a like at some point the game had to ship because people need to get paid so that they can continue (laughs) to you know pay rent and eat and stuff like that and maybe some of that stuff will come down the line brian did you hear that did you know that games have to ship 
I, in my experience, that's not true, but we'll. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, like that's interesting too. like in the greater context of Brace Yourself Games, which is a team that worked on, you know, Crypt of the Necrodancer and Cadence of Hyrule. Like, so, you know, they've, they've shipped games, but they're not like a big, big studio. In addition to Phantom Brigade, they were also doing Industries of Titan in Early Access, which came out of Early Access, but was in Early Access at the same time as Phantom yeah. Brigade. I saw it like Phantom Brigade and um, Industries of Titan were two games that I two of the last games I saw before the pandemic at PAX um, that that year that that happened. They're also working on a game. I think they're just publishing it. But they're working on that game Godless now, too. So like this is a very small team working on like a lot of projects all at the same time. And that's you know maybe maybe there was an element here of just like you know crypt of the necrodancer became very popular cadence of hyrule uh was a nintendo project so they probably got a big windfall from that i would hope um and like they maybe felt really ready to take on a lot maybe too quickly even maybe working on one early access game at a time would be better than three uh or it would be a little bit easier than three. i think yeah i think you are onto something there but i think this is clearly a passion project where a lot of love for the mm-hmm. source material has gone into this um, and a lot of love for visual design has gone into this, which is one of the things that I wanted to call out, which is that this, the world, this game takes place in is, is awesome. Um, I love the civilian vehicles. They make me as a lover of a car that's shaped like a box or a toaster. Um, <laughs> I am obsessed with every single little fire truck and family sedan and minivan driving around these worlds. Uh, and I want to own each and every single one of them. <laughs> and the, the thing I want most out of this game is more of it, right? I mean, it's it's yeah. it's mm-hmm. really gorgeous, and I would love every every surface area feels ripe for elaboration. And I mean, that's yeah. a great place to be for for all the complaints I have about it. I I just really love the kernel of the thing. It it works great, and and I'd love to see it uh, more investment in, in it. It's a it 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 feels like. It's a very fruitful space, and this is the first time I've really seen it explored in that way, and I'd love to see people explore more yeah. of it. Yeah, I would love to see a Phantom Brigade, too. Uh, my only yeah. my only actual, like, uh, the only truly, this is not, like, a scope thing for me. This is, like, feels like a missed opportunity is, like, the setting yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, because, yeah. like, I mean, that was an intentionally missed opportunity, right? That was a choice uh, on, on the dev's part. I was looking through the Discord, and I actually saw that um one of the game's uh developers was talking about how um when they tried to give uh the world more characterization uh people started comparing the game and what in the conflict therein to like real world countries and conflicts uh and they did not want that and so they took all of it out uh and stopped trying to pursue like further characterization of this conflict and like that is my only point of like very we very real like disappointment because like to Mm -hmm. me that is a that is a slight abdication of what would otherwise be like a really interesting aspect of this game that probably would have helped it a lot uh in the uh in the like you know trying to give pilots characterization uh angle yeah yeah the the fact that there's like no personality system or like persistent pilot progression stuff like i've Full disclosure, I guess, been following this game in early access basically since it launched at early access on Epic Game Store and the roadmap that changed multiple times and like they, they were supposed to have updates and then they missed updates. There was, you know, things happened. Yeah. Um, 
But that showed like, hey, we're going to be doing all this like pilot progression stuff. We're going to have two pilot progression updates that like really flesh out what the pilots are and stuff like that. And just none of that stuff is in here. Like the pilots are basically like little avatars and they have a health bar and that's it. There's no not even the like very, very, very light stuff that you see in Battletech 2018 of this pilot is going to be really good at the gunnery skill. So they're going to be very, very accurate at range, but they are not necessarily going to be able to take a hit as much because they can't brace as quickly or brace as well for incoming damage and stuff like that. There's just like no variation. So like all of my mechs and and pilots might as well be interchangeable at this point. And I can't create those little stories for myself of just like, oh, this is why, you know, Foxtrot really loves this particular mech because they like I've I've sculpted this mech around their ability set in the way that I do in other mech games. Yeah, I think you're right. And it's it's a missed opportunity. I don't think it was an absolute necessity. But if that was going to be the case, I would have liked to see a little more around the pilot's personalities and where they're from playing a role in the game right like they all have a little home province somewhere in the game map right they're from somewhere in your country but all of that would have necessitated them to pay more attention to and give more detail to the world and the environment that the game takes place in which is i think i totally agree with ren it it feels like an abdication it feels like a decision where you want to have the cool fight and you want to have the trappings of a war without actually engaging with the reality of what that means, um, which I think is narratively a little irresponsible. This is just sort of wow, cool yeah. robots, not like after we wreck half a town, yeah. these people are not going to celebrate us being here. <laughs> right. Especially- yeah. Oh, go ahead. Right. I was just going to say, especially if you're invoking uh, the OHMS team. As like as like the thing that you're yeah. invoking. So not to like pull on the the review I wrote of game on Waypoint, but one of the things that I did talk about was the ways in which like if you put OHMS team in the context of the rest of Gundam, right? OHMS team is about taking the literal physical object uh, of the Gundam and stripping it of its symbolic power, right? Retaining the military importance and like the you know, ability of the Gundam to like be an extension of the self and all of these things, but stripping it of the symbolic power of the Gundam and what that does to it, right? It turns it into like a mundane machine that is capable of great violence uh, and the way that like many machines are mundane and capable of great violence. And in doing so, it like deeply humanizes the other people who are in that war who are not named Amuro fucking Ray, right? And Phantom Brigade is citing OHMS team as a direct inspiration and like mechanically and uh, at times aesthetically is doing the thing, but it doesn't have the same like thematic cohesion that a series like that can have. Uh, and and that was like a big, not a disappointment to me, but it was like, a, okay, cool. Like I, I wish that they had pushed this a little bit further. Well, you're um, also, so we could like have in, in choosing to not make your statement about war political, you're making a political and narrative choice to say, Hey, war is right. fun. Right. I mean, and so you, you don't get away from making making some kind of commentary about your, your yeah. subject matter. And so, you know, like is, is if what you want to say is war is war is a fun thing to do, you know, that's OK. <laughs> but I, it feels like you could probably use it to it, to, and, better, to better advantage. And like one of the other inspirations, like it, I don't know if anyone saw the, the earliest version of Front Man Brigade. It was very much a front mission game. Mm-hmm. And front mission yeah. is very much like 
like sanded off analogs of real world conflicts. Uh-huh. Um, like, like they're like, oh, we're just far enough in the future that world governments have changed in this point, but otherwise, it takes place in the real world. And I'm doing air quotes here. Uh, so some of the things like not focusing on sort of the, the politics of the war, the machinations or, or, or the, the ideas of government. And, and, and also part of what front mission made it work is that again, like that AMS team, you were in the shoes of the grunts and you got to see how they uh, reacted to what their bosses were telling and what was happening in the war to them. And yeah, that stuff is missing here. And it's, it's honestly so funny to like, I had forgotten about the OAT, uh, OATMS team, um, citations are ran from your piece until you'd said that again. And I'm just like thinking it's like now thinking about like the whole idea of like, Oh, war is fun. We're basically playing with like little action figures here. Literally the way that you build your mechs is that they have frames that you then bolt pieces onto the way that you build a lot of Gundam models. A lot of gunpla is like literally designed like this. And I'm like, okay, they, they cited OHMS team, this like, boots on the ground, mud and lasers type of thing where there's an entire episode dedicated to the good guys show up in a town and the townspeople are like, fucking leave, please get the fuck out of here. And it's like just an entire episode of them trying to de-escalate this uh, situation. And what they've ended up accidentally creating to a certain degree thematically, and I, <laughs> which I'm, it sounds like I'm really like laying into the game here. I do love it a lot, but like what they've accidentally created is um, instead the beginning of 0080 war in the pocket where it's like everybody's playing with their mech toys and it's like, yeah, here are, the, here are our um, merchandise war toys based on the real world conflict happening in the universe right now. Uh, it's fun and we're marketing it to our children. <laughs> right. And this is part of why I think that like, you know, the Phantom Brigade takes on the symbolic power that the Gundam has for people in this world, right? Your me- your individual mechs don't, but the Phantom Brigade does, right? The Phantom Brigade means yeah. something. Um, with, with what little set dressing the game has is that, like, your unit was... The war was already over, right? When the game begins, the war has been lost. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the standing government fell apart. Um, and you are a effectively a spec ops squad from that now dead military right you are what is left uh and so like the not only are you like you know the phantom brigade and like that is like the the design of your mobile base is like again calling back to white base from the original gundam but like this is why hope is a resource in the game because like your characters and like your brigade is a symbol in the world of a particular like worldview about how um you know about how conflict is and but like who are the good guys right and so like that is i I, i've been thinking about that a lot uh as i I yeah you show up and you never lose and you're sort of this symbol of hope for the remaining insurgency the sort of home guard but you clearly like there's so much opportunity for interesting politics here and interesting uh interpersonal relations and even just inter system uh infighting and and disagreements right because like you work alongside the home guard but they don't necessarily sort of trust you right the organized army insurgency is not necessarily 
on your side at all times and going to do anything you tell them to. And it's the same for you. There's there's so much meat there that they could just dig into that, like if they dug into that idea more, the the, the reputation system with the standing army, with the like, you know, returning government army and stuff like that. The idea like a friction between what does this government in exile that's been like outside of the home country for X number of years living somewhere else that we're, we're never told about. How do they feel about this sort of unrecognized spec ops team that has like taken it upon themselves to basically steal military technology and come back and start like sniping out outposts and stuff like that? How do they feel about those people becoming the bigger symbols to the to their own populace, to their own um citizens than they are than the like legitimately elected government originally a legitimately elected government that has been in exile for this whole time and has not been around for these people but now the phantom brigade is there's so much you could do with that narratively like the setup here is so perfect and it's just like it's but at the end of the day it's mostly a really good single player virtual board game instead yeah, to its credit it communicates a lot of that implicitly by very canny use of your resources like hope Right. Like mm. they, there clearly was enough thinking around what kind of story they were telling with the Phantom Brigade. It's it's one of the things that's frustrating around the game, because the reason why you have hope as a mechanic is not an accident. They clearly right. implicitly or explicitly had did a lot of thinking about that. And so it's there. And then they then they decided to just sort of put it put it under the covers, which is and like that is a cat. I think it's a development it's, casualty to a certain degree, but it, it is disappointing. Yeah, right. It is also just like, I mean, such a brilliantly designed game, like just like from a like systems interacting perspective, I I cannot help but like kind of marvel at it. Um, Yeah, which is absolutely the kind of uh, wrap up I'd love to get from a few of you before we end here. Just final thoughts like that, just despite what we've said or any criticisms, criticisms we have, things you'd like people to definitely know. This, This is one of my favorite games this year. Um, I, it feels yeah. it feels like somebody made it for me and that nobody else would play it. Right. And and I know that's the kind of feeling you get out of a game that, that's just that that's striking at a unique vein of gold that is that is played by or, you know, mined by very few people. And I would I, if, if any of this sounds appealing, I would say definitely go pick it up. It's pretty great. Yeah, um, I would I would not feel as like vehemently like or as passionate passionate about all of these little things I've I've kind of shown up at the end here with if I didn't like love the core of the game like the the framework of the game and the the feel of the game which we haven't really, we didn't even really get a chance to talk about but like when you shoot a, a sniper rifle at a guy the sound of that those big giant 50 cal bullets or whatever 500 cal bullets since they're mech size I don't know uh going through a guy and just like ripping him apart and stuff like that feels good it's like got a good sense of weight to it even the movement of the mechs feels like for as like weirdly lego like as they look sometimes um the boost animation just like feels like it's carrying momentum forward because there really is momentum there because they're modeling all those physics and stuff like that and like the way they um balance themselves up at the end of like a long boost or a long run or something like that is so good yeah i will say if you're a uh mech anime fan at all like when you're playing the game and watching your mechs engage with the enemy and uh, 
actually replaying a past turn. Like it all looks fantastic and feels really good. And I use the word meaty and I will stick with that. Like feels meaty and chunky and powerful uh, in a way that not a lot of games do. Period. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I uh, I appreciate everybody coming out today to talk about this game, which is one of those rare games where we had so many people interested in the show that we had to cut down the panel size, which is thrilling, I think. <laughs> right. uh, and it is a high recommendation, I think, for, for anyone who's a regular listener here on Three Moves Ahead. As always, Three Moves Ahead is produced by Lynn Hafer, and we are supported. And this podcast is made possible by listeners ontologically similar to you on patreon.com slash 3ma and if you're curious about more of that you can also find us on twitter at twitter.com slash 3ma for however much longer that website exists this is john and for near <laughs> for ren for brian for mike signing off and have a good night and this is len cutting in with just a little update for all of you um, as John just said, the show is supported on Patreon by listeners ontologically similar to you. Um, and our Patreon tiers have just changed and it's, it's good news, I think for the vast majority of people, because, uh, we've, we've sort of made the Patreon a little bit more egalitarian than it once was. Um, so head on over to patreon.com slash three MA to check out those new tiers for $5. You now get all future bonus episodes, period. We're not splitting those up between five and ten dollars anymore. Ten dollars now gets you onto the super secret discord server, which used to cost twenty five. So that's pretty, uh, pretty good discount. Um, and uh, twenty five dollars uh, will now get you special Patreon VIP status. It gets you access to the gun room, which is our multiplayer community. And uh, for fifty dollars, you can now become a Patreon producer. And have your name or a pseudonym of your choice read out at the end of every episode. Um, not this episode, because I'm still collecting information from how our current Patreon producers want to be credited. Um, the only restrictions being it has to pass our standards for appropriateness and it cannot be used to advertise a business. Um, so please do go over and check those out. Um, even those of you that just give one dollar, which is just like leaving a leaving a tip in the jar for us. Uh, we really appreciate it because we we absolutely couldn't do what we're doing without your help. We absolutely couldn't do some of the really exciting stuff we have planned for the rest of this year, um, especially without your help, um, because it takes uh, quite a bit more prep work than the average 3MA episode. And I hope you will all look forward to that. Uh, so, yeah, this is Len saying goodnight.